We are Locked On NFL alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. We are taking you around the league daily on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. A great show for you today. Our guest, Marcus Mosier. He is co-host of Locked On Cowboys. We're going to get into Dallas, a huge matchup for them this week at the New England Patriots. And we've got to preview another huge contest, the 6-4 and four Colts at the 6-4 and four Texans on Thursday Night Football. If you have any questions or comments, hit me up on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find the show on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like any of the programs on the network, including Locked On Cowboys, hosted by today's guest. Joining us today is Marcus Mosier. He is the host, the co-host of Locked On Cowboys. He also does work for the Raiders Wire. It's an odd combination of teams there, Marcus, covering both the Cowboys and Raiders. I'm guessing keeping you quite busy this season with both teams looking like they might be fully involved in a playoff run. Yeah, who would have thought through 10 games that the Cowboys and the Raiders would have the same record right now? I mean, and actually the Raiders are probably playing better than the Cowboys. I mean, that's that's just insane to me. Crazy. And Let's start with the Cowboys, because I think we brought it up yesterday or the day before that this is a really good roster. It's a balanced team. It's a balanced offense. It's star power. I think Dak is not far off the MVP you know, discussion. Why aren't they the best team in the league? They can just never put together four good quarters, and a lot of that comes from coaching. They, they have a coaching staff that – is very conservative. Uh, when we get to games that come down to the last possession or two, uh, Jason Garrett starts to coach like a backup quarterback. We saw it in the Vikings game. We saw it in the Packer game. Uh, it, it's it's a team that is held back by their coaching staff, and unfortunately, that's been the story for the Cowboys for the last decade. Uh, it's a super talented roster, uh, very few holes, but they can just never put it all together, and it's incredibly frustrating for anybody that's covering this team. I bet. Marcus, where do you sit on the MVP conversation right now? I think most people don't have Dak near or at the top, at least, of that conversation. But more people are coming around and talking about him as maybe the the straw that stirs the drink there. I think uh, Matt and I had talked about it earlier this season, and it was it was it seemed like man, when Mark Cooper's out, that offense just is not the same. So maybe it's more Cooper even than both Zeke and Dak. And uh, now we're starting to see people come around on Dak a little bit. I think it was Bucky Brooks who put out the a tweet earlier today talking about how Dak Prescott is averaging more yards per game and a higher completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes did at this time last year in his MVP campaign, mm-hmm. which is hard to believe. Yeah, I'm all in on Prescott being an MVP candidate. I, I mean, I know the record's not great. Being 6-4, and four, you know, that's probably going to put him out of the conversation. Uh, but when you look at his QBR, he's first in the league in QBR. He's like fifth in passer rating. He leads the league in passing yards. Uh, His fourth quarter passing rating is one of the best in the league. Uh, Prescott's the only reason that that this team is six and four uh, because the defense has taken a big step back. Ezekiel Elliott doesn't look like the same player that we saw even last year. Uh, They've had, you know, some injuries on both sides of the ball, but Prescott is playing at a level that, I mean, I don't think anybody anticipated. Uh, We were talking about this on our show yesterday on the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Is Prescott playing better now? than at any point in Tony Romo's career? And I think the answer might be yes. And that's incredible Mm. when you consider the career Romo had. Uh, Prescott's keeping this team alive. And, yeah, if they can get to 
10, 11 wins. I would think that Prescott, along with Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, you know, those would be the three guys you would have to consider for the MVP. Yeah, Marcus, this team needs to focus on the now, put everything together, like you said, put four quarters of football together and go make a run. But what an offseason we got in store here. How do you see that going down? I mean, thinking of Dak, I mean, he ain't going to be cheap. No, he's certainly not going to be. And this is, listen, here's the biggest misconception about the Prescott contract. Uh, there's a lot of people wondering, why didn't the Cowboys sign him the offseason? His price tag went up. They could have got him for $30 million. Uh, Prescott knew that this was a possibility, and that's why he didn't sign a contract. That's why he didn't sign at $32 million or even $34 million. He knew with Kellen Moore, with their offensive line, with the receivers that they had, there was a potential for a breakout season. He bet on himself, and it's working out for him. Uh, the Cowboys are going to pay him like a top three or four quarterback, and frankly, he deserves it. I mean, we, we saw how important he is this season to him. Uh, we saw that his, his ceiling is rising with every single game. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys are they're going to be okay paying Prescott whatever he wants, along with Amari Cooper. Uh, the decisions for Dallas for the offseason are going to really come on the other side of the ball. Do they pay Byron Jones? Do they pay a Malik Collins or an Anthony Brown, some good, solid role players? Uh, but, yeah, it, it's going to be an exciting and a nerve-wracking offseason if you're a Cowboys fan. I can't believe Dak goes anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere. The worst-case scenario, they're franchising him. Yeah. The absolute worst-case scenario. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned how they've uh, not been quite as good as you would think. And on paper, that looks like such a fantastic unit. Maybe Byron Jones leaves in the offseason. I know that Chris Richard has been somebody who uh, has been talked about as a potential head coach for some teams. Is that a defense that's going to be difficult to keep together long term? And what pieces are the most important to keep together long term there? What is the identity right now with that Cowboys defense? Yeah, and Marcus, along those lines, I would guess it's a heavy defensive draft. I, I would agree. Uh, the okay. offense is basically set. I, I mean, there's a little, you know, a couple little pieces that you could grab, maybe a slot receiver, a place Randall Cobb, but that's basically it. Uh, you're right. They're going to continue to invest, uh, you know, assets into this defense. I just don't think in the NFL today you can continue to have, you know, a great defense every single year. It's a, something you have to address. Uh, I, I do think Byron Jones is probably going to leave. Um, you know, they feel really good about their their pass rush. A guy to watch out for is Robert Quinn uh, having a career year in Dallas. He's set to become a free agent after the year, as well as Michael Bennett, as well as Malik Collins. A lot of turnover there. But listen, guys, if the Cowboys defense was going to get better, they need to have better play from their linebackers. They're all big-name players with Leighton Vandress, Jalen Smith, and Sean Lee. But none of the three have played very well this year, at least at the level that we saw last year. And, and that's the reason why they're struggling. Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith have not played like Pro Bowl players. And if they're going to make any kind of run, they need those guys to step up. It seems like the defense up the middle's a little bit lacking. Safety, linebacker, D-tackle. And, and that's, you know, that shouldn't be a problem with the, the no. money and the picks that they've invested at the position. Uh, they spent a second-round pick on Tristan Hill, a defensive tackle. Uh, he's not ready to play at all. They, they've tried to put him in uh, in a couple games, and he's just not even close. Uh, safety has been an issue. That's why they tried to go out and get Jamal Adams. Uh, Xavier Woods has been fine. Jeff Heath is not. Uh, it, you're right, Matt. It's a defense that re- is really weak in the middle, and if they play anybody you know, over the next six weeks or in the playoffs that just wants to run the ball, I- I'm not sure they can stop them. 
More with Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys coming up. There is a quite significant game on the schedule this weekend. Now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with our buddies at MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be gigantic. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Here's the best part. If you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand, they'll give you a thousand. That's double your initial deposit, and you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use our promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Coming into Week Twelve, Marcus. On his power rankings yesterday, Matt put the Cowboys at number five. And with the Cowboys' current record, he put them ahead of a lot of teams that actually have a better record right now. A huge matchup against Matt's number four team at the New England Patriots this week. I think we're going to learn a ton about both teams. Uh, Overall, what is your vibe going into this weekend's matchup there against the Pats for the Cowboys? Yeah, it's hard to get too optimistic when it's Bill Belichick against Jason Garrett. But if you look at the two rosters, uh, I don't even think it's close. I think the Cowboys no. are a significantly more talented roster. If you switch coaching staffs, how much would the Cowboys be favored in this game? By a touchdown? A dozen, yeah. Yeah, I mean, more than that, it's it's incredible. But it does feel like this is a game where the Cowboys might be able to take New England to the wire. I know it's in Foxborough and, you know, New England's record with Brady and Edelman and Foxborough is ridiculous. But the Cowboys have the ability to keep New England's defense honest. They can run the ball. They can also test their secondary. This is by far the best offense that uh, New England has played, maybe outside of Baltimore, and we saw what the Ravens did to them. If the Cowboys can run the ball against New England, which very few teams have been able to do, you know, maybe the Cowboys can get this into the fourth quarter and have it be a close game. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, if they can put together a game plan that can keep this New England defense honest and on the heels. I don't think it's a good matchup for New England. I mean, because I mentioned the Cowboys balance when they have the ball. Belichick likes to take something away. Well, OK, take something away and we'll go somewhere else. My guess is that what they're going to do is they're going to put. Uh, probably Stephon Gilmore on Michael Gallup, try to take away Gallup, and then double Amari Cooper. Now, it's going to be up to guys like Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, Blake Jarwin to make plays, but we've seen this year, if Randall Cobb is healthy and he is going into this game, he can be really, really dangerous down the field. I- I'm just not sure if they have the uh, enough defensive backs to cover You know, Randall Cobb, Blake Jarwin, uh, and Jason Witten in the passing game. And, and and then on top of Prescott's legs, if nothing is open, we know that Prescott can get outside the pocket and make some plays. Uh, I'm curious to see how they how they try to defend Dallas. Throw the ball to Zeke Elliott, please. Or Tony Pollard. I, I would love yeah. to see more of Tony Pollard because he's been explosive anytime he's touched the ball. And that seems like, you know, a guy, if you can get him on Dante Hightower or Jamie Collins, some of these bigger linebackers, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Pollard has a big day. 
Marcus, I've got a good buddy who is a Cowboys fan, and I've seen this a lot on Twitter throughout the season, talking about a couple of big losses for the Cowboys this year and how Jason Garrett had started to meddle back again in the offense and try to take more control back from Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. What's going on there at offensive coordinator? Is it Kellen Moore's show? And is there any truth to Jason Garrett screwing things up and then giving it all back to Kellen Moore because it didn't work? Uh, I do think early in the season there was some times where Jason Garrett, I wouldn't say pick the plays or anything like that, but preach to Kellen Moore, hey, this is how we want to play this game. The, the New Orleans Saints game is a perfect example. Uh, the game in week four, they were in New Orleans. Uh, the Cowboys wanted to play a run the ball down the Saints' throat, keep it close, don't let Teddy Bridgewater beat you. And they ended up taking the ball out of Prescott's hands, and they lost that game. I think the Cowboys have learned a little bit from that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to live and die with Prescott. We're a passing team that's going to be in 11 personnel all day. Uh, I do think that's more of what Kellen Moore wants to do. And as the season goes along, I think the Cowboys are going to realize that more. But, yeah, as we're, you know, we're into week 12 of the season, this is Kellen Moore's offense. He's going to call the plays that he wants to call. Uh, it can't be one of these things where the good plays are Kellen Moore's, you know, decisions, the bad ones are Jason Garrett. Uh, it, it's not that way anymore. Uh, Marcus, let's switch gears a little bit and talk Raiders, if that works for you. Sure, absolutely. You mentioned – Garrett, and I think he rightfully belongs at the bottom of the coaching ranks. But as we were sitting here chatting, it kind of dawned on me, is Gruden a coach of the year candidate? Oh, absolutely. You yeah. look at what this team was, you know, just a year ago, and they were struggling to stay competitive. Uh, and there's really – there hasn't been a game this year where they've not been competitive. I mean, it's absolutely incredible the the turnover that they've had on this team. Listen, the one thing I'll give credit for him – is rebuilding that offensive line. He went out and got Trent Brown. He got Richie Incognito. Uh, those two together have brought a toughness to this Raiders team. Uh, they can run the ball at anybody, and they tell people that up front. Uh, Josh Jacobs has been fantastic for him, uh, and I truly believe with that running game, despite you know no real weapons on the outside, a defense that has a ton of injuries, uh, I do think they can be competitive in the AFC. It's the most physical offensive line in the league. And, and by far the biggest. I mean, they yeah. they can they can run against any team in the league. John Gruden absolutely deserves a ton of credit there and some conversation about Coach of the Year, but we're going to talk about Mike Mayock as well for the Raiders doing work. Uh, this was from uh, ESPN's Field Yates about the Raiders' rookie class that have combined for 14 scrimmage touchdowns, which is the most in the NFL, 1,676 scrimmage yards, which is the most in the league, 937 rushing yards most, Uh, 73 receptions for the rookie receivers, which is the most. 739 receiving yards, second most for rookie pass catchers. And 10 sacks, which is the most of the league. So both sides of the ball getting contributions from the rookie class. Yeah, and a lot of people are giving, you know, the credit to the rookie class because they had three first-round picks. But when you look at the class, you know, Jonathan Abram, their safety, played one half before getting injured. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, the fourth pick of the draft, really hasn't done much. And then Josh Jacobs has been great. It's really been their, you know, the hits on day three with Max Crosby, uh, Hunter Renfro, Foster Moreau has developed into a really good second tight end. Uh, they got Alex Ingle, the fullback, who has been just a, a fantastic for the Raiders. Uh, so it's the area scouts and Mike Mayock that have identified these, you know, day two and day three guys that have really transformed the bottom of the roster uh, because they're getting big games from Hunter Renfro now. The, the, a guy like Max Crosby on 40 snaps is able to have four sacks. So, uh, once they get those first-round picks back up to speed, 
Uh, this is going to be, uh, you know, one of maybe the best draft classes in Oakland history. Uh, and then you combine that with, you know, two first round picks coming up in 2020. A lot of reasons to be excited about the Raiders going forward. Yeah, and the Bears pick should be higher than the Raiders. I mean, who would have thought that? I mean, that's, absolutely. That's, I mean, that, there's a chance that pick, you know, goes inside of the top 12, depending on what happens with the Bears. I mean, they've got some tough games with, you know, the Vikings and the Packers coming up. It won't surprise me if, you know, they finish six and ten, seven and nine on the season. Um, let's wrap it up here. I got one last thing in. I've been hard on the Raiders every week thinking uh, they're going to fall off. They're going to fall off. They're not really a contender. Even yesterday I did power ranks and I think I had them at like 14, give or take. And I just felt it like that was too right. high. Yeah. But can they keep it up? I mean, the AFC is pretty open. Do they have as good a chance as the Steelers, Titans, Colts to go to the playoffs? I mean, you look at their schedule, and it certainly it certainly seems like that's a possibility. They'll, they'll play the Jets this week in New York. Uh, they should win that game. They've got a game with the Chargers left, a game with the Broncos, uh, a game with the Titans. The, the schedule works out really well for the Raiders. A bunch of games at home coming up. Can they get to 10 wins? I, I certainly think that's possible. And if that's the case, you know, they'll be the five or six seed. Uh they played, you know, they could potentially play Houston in round one. You know, they lost a close game to Houston. Could they play the Colts in round one? They beat the Colts in Indianapolis. It won't surprise me if the Raiders make it beyond wildcard weekend this season. Wow. I mean, but it wouldn't surprise me if they go to New York and lose the Jets, who stops the run well. Right, and that, that's, <laughs> yeah, the part, that's the part that's so difficult about the AFC is you don't really know, is there a massive difference between the Jets and the Raiders? I, I guess we'll see this week. Yeah, be fun. Good stuff, Marcus. Always a pleasure chatting with you. You guys can find Marcus on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. He is the co-host of Locked On Cowboys. You can find him at the Raiders Wire writing about those Oakland, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. A couple of playoff teams potentially being covered by Marcus. So, Marcus, we'll let you get back to work. I'm sure you've got a ton of it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Brian. And now Matt and I will turn our attention to the AFC South, the Colts, and Texans on Thursday Night Football. Long day at work, still stuck at the office, open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. We're talking about that AFC playoff picture, Matt, and the Raiders involved with the two teams playing on Thursday Night Football, which uh, this is actually... One of the bigger games of the the year, low key, I think, with the six and four Indianapolis Colts at the six and four Houston Texans. Uh, there's massive implications here because these teams are are fighting for that playoff spot, not only to win the South, which is the best way in, but they want to you know stay ahead of some other teams as well for that wild card berth. Both these teams trying to get in. Both these teams have a very good shot. I think. At the beginning of the season, we both thought both these teams had a really good chance to get in, but there's a lot of teams vying for that last spot, and and who knows how this thing could go. Uh, should be a fun one tonight. A bounce back from Deshaun Watson is the biggest thing that I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it earlier that I'm not going to overreact to the Texans getting embarrassed, basically, by by the Ravens. And I think they're the better team in a vacuum tonight. A lot more big playability, but... I mean, I don't like how Houston stops the run. And we know all about Quentin Nelson in that offensive line. I mean, we mentioned the Raiders' offensive line 
The Colts are probably second on terms of physicality and run blocking and 200-yard rushers uh, last week, but they're without Marlon Mack. Is it going to be a combination of Wilkins and Williams with a little Naheem Hines sprinkled in? That's my hunch. But they might be able to control the game, and I like the way Brissett's playing an awful lot. Obviously, that offense is better with him. And I wish I knew if T.Y. Hilton was playing because if he was, I might take the Colts to win this one because I think they'll control the game, like I mentioned, with the run. And that defense isn't wonderful, but it's a keep-it-in-front-of-you defense, don't allow the big play. I think Watson will have to be patient. A lot of DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of Carlos Hyde, and kind of matriculate the ball down the field, which kind of plays to what the Colts want to do too. So I wish I knew about Hilton because they need some spark. That The offense doesn't have much juice without him. That's a great point. And Houston is favored by three and a half here at home. So, you know, pretty close to a toss-up if this was in a neutral location. I do give the edge to the Texans. I think that's a pretty good number there. Um, Texans by a field goal or so. And yeah, that's the key here. Watson being patient because you know he's going to be fired up and wants to come back and hit a team hard after what happened last week. The Colts play complimentary football with their defense. By the way, one of the sneaky best and one of the easiest calls to see coming. Justin Houston leads the Colts with eight sacks. How did how were more teams not all over Justin Houston and how did the, the Chiefs so easily just let guys like Justin Houston and D Ford walk when pass rushers are gold in the NFL. But Jacoby Brissett, you know, efficiency, smart, 15-4 to 4 touchdown to interception ratio, complimentary football there on offense with Marlon Mack. T.Y. Hilton, I've seen on Twitter, he's known as the Texans killer and uh, would be huge for the Colts if he's able to play at such a dynamic element. And one of those players, and I think every team has that opponent where there's one guy that's just so frustrating to play against on the other side Carlos Hyde he's going to be a 1,000 yard rusher this year out of nowhere averaging about five yards per carry so far this season so huge comeback season for Carlos Hyde and then I'm just such a huge believer in Deshaun Watson the Houston Texans on defense though I just it's the reason I think I can't trust the Texans like I want to because I want to put everything on Deshaun Watson and be like this is the guy he's going to carry you into the playoffs don't worry about it but the way the Colts play and keeping things close, can the Houston defense keep the Colts out of the end zone enough times to where, you know, Deshaun Watson can do his thing and the Texans can come out with the W? Yeah, I'm with you. Like when, when we're looking at the top teams in the, the AFC, let alone the league, I keep looking at Houston and go, boy, it'd be nice to say J.J. Watt. Or right. what if they do even cloudy, you know, or both? <laughs> you know, I mean... Uh, did, did Clowney have to go that bad? He sure could be useful right about now. And it just seemed like they're a guy short on that side of the ball. Right. And those are two game-wrecking type of talents that you lose that. I mean, how could you be great on defense after losing two players that have such a big impact on a football game? Yeah, I 100% agree. And I'm all for Watson, and I think he's going to have a very good game, and I think he'll have some highlight plays. I just think the Colts probably keep it very close, win the time of possession battle, and if you're going to give me three, I'll take Indy. Despite the the questions I have about the Texans' defense at home, I will, I'll take I'll give away the three and a half points because I just like the Texans and I like the bounce back here. 
but the Colts play everybody tough, so it will be tight. So, you know, three and a half, if it was three, I'd feel better. Three and a half might be that, you know, win it by a field goal and you still lose. But I'm going to still, I'm going to take Texans on this one. I, I expect to bounce back and potentially Deshaun Watson going off and going really big. That's what I'm looking for here from Deshaun Watson and the Texans. And with these matchups in the division, I know the Colts have already beaten the Texans this year, so that cements it for me because I always expect a split. No matter if it's a good team and a bad team, when division opponents get together, you can throw everything else out a lot of times. I always predict the split, so I've got to stick with that. So I'm going with the Colts winning at home against the Texans earlier this season. The Texans come back and dealing the Colts a loss at home. Yeah, I think you you absolutely could be right about the Watson factor. I just don't know that this is a wonderful matchup for Houston in terms of stopping the run at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I'm I'm, going to stick with Indy. Do you think the team that loses this game, and I know it's only week 12, there's a lot of games here to play still. Does the team that lose this game, do they not even make the playoffs completely? Like, do you have to win the South to get into the playoffs here? Or do you think one of these, both of these teams have a pretty good shot to lose this, fall to 6-5, and five, and still work their way into the playoffs past the Raiders and Bills and some of these other teams? Because the Bills still uh, have a better record than both of these teams already, and they've had the easiest schedule in the NFL so far. It's a huge game. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's the second time they meet... <sighs> But I don't think it's a loser-lead town match. I, I just look at the AFC. I mean, the Steelers' offense is in shambles. We talked Raiders earlier. I mean, I still don't quite trust them. I know the Bills are in the driver's seat, but I'm not even sure if they're good. I mentioned Tennessee yesterday as not a sleeping giant, but a sleeping large in person. And I think, <laughs> but they're behind the eight ball, you know. So can they suck it up over these next couple of weeks too? So. I don't think it kills you, but wow, what a win it, it will be. You know, what a, a feather in the cap for the winner tonight. Right. And so the the Titans, speaking of them, they are at Indy next week and they still have two matchup, uh, matchups against the Texans. So the Titans at this point really control their own destiny quite a bit when it comes to the South. And at five and five, they're only one game behind these teams. Uh, they're going to, if they beat the Jags this weekend, they'll be tied with at least one of these teams for second place and could potentially even jump into first place next week. So the AFC South is going to be fun. The AFC wild card is going to be highly contested, a ton of teams involved. And unless you are, uh, you know, a couple games under 500 right now, I think a lot of teams have a shot to sneak in there with six to play. Yeah, I do too. And uh, I'm not going to predict it, but I'm not so sure that if we talk two weeks from now, of all these wild card teams, second tier teams in the AFC that we don't uh, look at Tennessee and say they're the best of the group right you know, in two weeks. Right. Yeah. And, and we might see some teams that have done some things. We talked about the Raiders. Maybe they fall off. Maybe they're not quite ready, even though they've had a really nice season. Um, and maybe one of these teams in the AFC South falls off completely. We'll see. It should be a fun one. So tonight is going to go a big way into deciding things in the South and in the AFC. I can't wait for it. Can Deshaun Watson bounce back. I fully expect him to. Looking forward to it, and we'll break it down tomorrow as well as making all of our Week 12 picks, Matt. Good stuff. Can't wait. Absolutely. Thanks again to Marcus Mosher for joining the program. Be back Friday right here, Locked on NFL.